Welcome to a special edition of Woo! That's right, Locked on Astros. You're going to love my guest. He's a world champion, and he's been going bananas lately, and he might even drive a Lambo. Let's go. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into a special edition of Locked on Astros. I'm H-Town Wheelhouse, and I have got with me World Series champion Josh Reddick. But let me tell you real quick, I'm H-Town Wheelhouse. You can find me at, at on X, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me at Strohs411 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Strohs. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the only Daily Astros podcast. Y'all, we almost hit 2 million downloads last year. Help us get to three. Help us get to four and make us your team. Every single day. Yes, sir. And our episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets and your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's right. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. So get started today. Now, without further ado, the man to my right or your left or however you're looking at this screen, Josh Woo! Reddit, give us a woo, woo. real quick. Woo! I love it, man. Josh, tell everybody where they can find you on the socials. Josh Reddick on Twitter, real Josh Reddick on Instagram, and there is no Facebook. Oh, there we go. I like that. Uh oh, he is he is uh, he has upset the Mark Zuckerberg world. There, you you oh, you are you are TikTok. not gonna be... TikTok. Real Josh Reddick at TikTok. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. So, um, Josh, let's do let's do a couple shout outs tonight. Um, you know, I just want to thank our audience. Our, you know, they're amazing. Um, we've got some we've got some regulars that, that watch us every week. Susan, um, Jay, you got any shout outs for us tonight? I heard that there's a there's a person I need to really uh, let let know that I'm here right now, and that's Judy Krebs. I was told to tell you hello, Josh here. I'm going to give you a nice woo. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so, Judy, you heard that, um, a.k.a. mom. Um, Josh wanted to say hi and give you that. So, Josh, life after baseball, sir, you are you are busy with your two boys, with your wife. I I'm, recently saw you guys were um, were basically on um, – you guys were on a ski trip, I think, that, that you that, – that you, that you, Went on, tell us about life for Josh Reddick and family after baseball. Yeah, so we just returned from Breckenridge, Colorado. Um, that's where my wife worked for a couple of years, helping run a ski school up there. And she's a former pro snowboarder, so we were thrown right into the fire, no skis, straight into the snowboard. But I got to tell you, I've been out probably 11 times for the first time in my life, and I love it. It's so much fun going out there and just you know shredding the mountain and going and going really fast. That's awesome. You know, we know, go ahead. No, you definitely. And, you know, um, me growing up in Crosby, um, first Baptist Crosby was, was my home church. And that's where I first learned how to ski. And I was never 
willing to go and trek into the snowboard because we always only had like three or four days. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I saw the snowboarders doing crazy things. I was like, I think I want to stick with the skis. I don't, I don't know if I want to go up in the air and do any spins or whatever. I don't but, do any air stuff. Okay. Okay. You don't, you don't crazy spins. I'm just going, you know, I'm left and right. I'm doing my S turns and I'm going fast. That's all I'm doing. There's no crazy jumps or anything too, too nutsy about that. Now, but see that, that to me though, Josh doesn't really fit the narrative of the Josh Reddick. And we'll talk about the world series later, the Josh Reddick champagne celebrations (laughs) in the very patriotic manner that you did you know, you've got this gregarious personality and, and, you know, kind of leading us down that road. I saw that you kind of did a little adventure there, a little sidetrack with the Savannah bananas. Yep. And you went out there and you were balling out. Tell us, tell us about your connection with them. Um, just about playing with them and what that was like. Oh, so much fun because um, for people that don't know, I'm from about 20 minutes away from Savannah. That's my hometown. Um, grew up going to Savannah, playing baseball all over the area. Um, you know, the Savannah Sand Nash used to be a staple in that stadium, minor league affiliate of number of teams over the years. So grew up going to those minor league games a lot as a kid and um, just watching it turn into from a summer collegiate team from when they signed to where they are now. And um, it's it's been pretty fun to watch because me and the owner have been in contact since he bought the team way back in 2016 and it's just been fun to watch what he's been able to do to grow that product, not only, you know, locally, you know, he did it step by step, which was nuts because he did it around Savannah where everybody was selling out. Now he's going around big league stadiums for the first time ever selling out Minute Maid Park within, I think, three and a half minutes. It's just wild because what they do is very impressive. And being able to play there was an honor because, you know, everybody wants to be a Savannah banana at some point in their life. I think you look at it and see all these former players that are stepping up and, giving that guy a call just to put on a uniform for one night to relive his, you know, his glory day, so to speak, and have fun with those kids and let loose a way that he never could on a baseball field. I know that's what it is for me to be able to just one, go back and home and be a part of it because it is where I'm from. And then just being able to kind of travel as much as I can and meet them on the road. It it, it makes it for a lot of fun because those are some great kids that, you know, really put their hearts and soul into it and still love the game of baseball. And I think that's the beauty of it. Once you, once you break it down, they're still actually playing baseball. They're just playing it in a silly way. Exactly. So speaking of that, and I don't know if this is something you can reveal or even if you're have any plans, but are you going to be a part of the game that is here at Minute Maid Park because you are local or I, cause I, you know, I don't know your calendar or is that something that, I mean, is in the works? It's still something in the works. We're still trying to, to get out some details on it, so nothing's guaranteed yet. But, yes, okay. I, am trying, I am trying to make it happen to where I can awesome. be a part of that and game. Because I was like, if I was like, it would be perfect if Josh Reddick came out, even a surprise, like some smoke comes out of the dugout, and all of a sudden, <laughs> here comes Josh I've almost, Reddick. I've, I've almost told people if I was going already, I wouldn't tell you anyway, but I really don't There know. you go. <laughs> Right, no, yeah. Yes, no, yes. You, want, you want that surprise wrestler entrance. You want it to be the Royal Rumble exactly. number 30 pick. Nobody knows who it is. And then, yeah, like, you, know, you want it to be that way anyway. So, Man, that, you know, that's awesome. And, and what, what I love about the bananas is it reminds me, because when I was growing up, um, I was a big Harlem Globetrotters fan. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is my, my grandfather, my, my dad is actually from Athens, Georgia. Originally. Go Dawson. 
yeah he was he's a he's a big he's a big uga fan he's he's not a tech fan i got it um, everywhere <laughs> i love it so um my grandfather apparently knew curly from the harlem globetrotters well that's awesome and, yeah and and so you know that was that was neat to hear stories about that um, I remember we got his autograph at a card show one time and my dad was talking about his dad. And so they just kind of, you know, shared story. Oh yeah. I remember, I remember your dad. Here. And so, but that's really what the bananas have turned into. And banana ball is a little different. Um, banana ball is there. There are real nuanced rules. Like, is it, if, if a, if a fan catches a foul ball, is that an out yeah, so that's a sensitive subject you're t- talking to me about because when I played with him Uh-oh. in Sacramento, foul ball got caught. Oh. Yeah, it was, it's pretty it's pretty upsetting too, and, and it's funny because if you watch people do it and they kind of seem like they have some athletic ability and they bring their glove and they're like jumping for it, you're okay, like okay, at least that person looks good enough. Like the person that caught mine was a woman who had no business and she literally just did this. <laughs> Right in the middle of her glove, and I go, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> yeah, it makes that's just another weird rule that makes it a lot of fun, and I think you know, I think that's what makes people lock in on every pitch because every pitch is, you know, a chance to be able to not only take home a souvenir but be a part of the game. And they bring you down on the field, you get to meet all the players, like you get wow. in between inning praise, like by your fan base, and it's it's a whole show. It's literally a whole show. So, what you see on social media is probably maybe 20 percent of what actually happens every game wow no i mean but but it's still this novelty and like you mentioned i mean they've they've really cornered this 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 market with the way they do banana ball and you know here in our next segment um i want to talk about the world series i want to talk about being a world series champion but before we do that we're going to talk to our people at FanDuel. We're going to talk about them, not talk at them. We're going to talk about them. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and I need you today to go check it out. Why? Because the Super Bowl is right around the corner. It's the number one game with the number one sports book. And if you like Super Bowl Sunday like me, scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing the favorite your favorite football snack, and placing some super bets is what it's all about. FanDuel has so many ways to end this season for you with the W, not just one W, not just two, but maybe three W's that day. And there's so many ways to bet. So right now, Super Bowl 58 in Vegas gives you chances to bet on which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. But here's the deal you got to listen to. New customers joining today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, Josh, you know, let's let's get into this because I know this is something that, I mean, people people in Houston love the 2017 World Series. I have pins on my hats that say 17 and 22. Sick. Um, you know, and I absolutely, I can tell you, that for me, when when the, when this team hoisted that trophy, a lifelong Astros fan. I mean, my first game, I was two years old, and I actually remember going to the Astrodome the very first time. I remember being an Astros buddy and Jose Cruz, thinking that he was just teaching me how to play outfield. Um, Craig Biggio as a rookie. 
I, I mean, on and on and on, on to 2017. Right. And we, we as fans were like, wow, like the team put us on their, put us on their back, the Houston strong theme. And we won. What was that like winning that title in 2017, especially after what we had gone through as a city that year with hurricane Harvey, it just seemed like a lot of stuff culminated at once. It almost felt like a storybook to, 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 to be honest. you know, I think a lot of guys like, like myself looking out of it, were like, man, you couldn't write a script for a movie any better than what we just experienced. You know, we experienced such a horrible disaster and being able to have so much damage caused here. If it only felt right that this team could step up and make the big moves like we needed to at the right time. And I think that was, you know, what we got Verlander shortly right. after that, I think it was. Yeah. So I think that pickup, you know, obviously helped us majorly going down that stretch, but yeah, I think you look back at that year and how special it was from, you know, especially looking back at the team that they were fielding in like the 2013 years and 2014 years, it just felt like, you know, what the Oakland A's are doing now is what it feels like. You just, you know, just coming in and I remember being an Oakland A during those years and running to the bat rack because we just knew we were going to destroy the Houston Astros. And then I made the perfect transition. I always say when I got, when I signed with Houston, that Oakland was going through that kind of transition phase. And then, you know, it was always fun to kind of be, be in the opposite tracks that way, but gosh, it was, it's indescribable. I mean, like, it's just like I always tell when you win a world series, it's always a dream come true as a kid. And when you get there and you have to talk about it, there's really no explanation for it. There's just so many emotions running through your mind and your, in your body that you can't control them. You start crying and you get excited at the same time and you're happy and adrenaline's rushing. So there's all kinds of emotions. Any emotion you can have is pretty much being fired off at that moment. So I want to focus on game five, game five of that world series, Josh. I was, I was at home. I was, I was in my theater room. And I got a little loud. I almost woke up my wife that was downstairs. Understandably um, so. But, and you know, Josh, I almost bought a ticket. And let me tell you why I didn't buy the ticket. Number one, because my kids usually go to these games with me. Mm-hmm. I found one ticket, literally $138 to this game. And at the time, that was a little bit pricier in 2017 than it is now. Like now that's super, super cheap. Right. And I thought I'm going to go to this game. I'm going to go to game five. I just dropped my daughter off at her mom's and I was like, I'm going. And I was like, you know what? No, I can't go. Cause I got to have my kids with me, man. I got to have my kids with me. Like I, I can't leave them at home. <laughs> Damn. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a dad <laughs> W, but it was kind of an L because that fan, game, fan L. Oh, the fan L. L. So as a player, what was that like? Because it seemed like every time you guys or the Dodgers took the lead, it wasn't safe. And it was literally probably the most exciting game, I would say, in Major League history. If not, I mean, if it's not number one, it's got to be top two or three. I think it's it was number two. I think it's hard to beat number one game seven World Series of the 2016 Indians and Cubs. Okay, okay. I think that's hard. That game's hard to beat. But, yeah, I think it's definitely number two. But, man, I think it took about five years off my life, as it did all of us players on both sides. Because, yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like nobody, no matter who you ran out there on that mound for either side, it didn't matter that either team was going to go out there and put up at least two. 
And I'm really glad that we had it at home because I think that that played a huge factor in that game. Whoever was going to be batting last and was going to score last, and that happened to be the home team. So thankfully we got it done. Thankfully we were at home. So after a game like that, like the next day, you know, you've got to go to L.A. How exhausted are you after that game? Does it hit you the next morning, or does it not take until you're starting game six and you're going, dang, I'm still tired? Uh, I think it hits the next day because of that off-day travel day. Mm. Um, but, you know, a lot of guys, I, I, I like to get in the ice baths. And they stink every time, and they're terrible and miserable every time. But they do so much good for your body. So I think mm. for me, I wasn't really sore, just more probably mentally and exhausted at that point, just from all the emotions we went through that night. But it was good because we, we were because we, we did have that off day and we could still be together on the team flight and kind of talk about it and get it out there and still be around everybody. Yeah, definitely. Now, this to me is huge. And this just came to my mind to think about this. You were on a team that started a run that is still going right now. Seven straight ALCS for this Houston Astros team. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way they've retooled adding Josh Hader, um, they just signed. They just signed Trey Cabbage. Who, if they can fix the holes in that kid's swing, that dude is absolutely going to match at the major league level. Is he that was, is that the lefty outfielder they were looking for? Yes, that's the guy they got from from the Angels. Uh, he hit 32 home runs, stole 30 bases last year, but he struck out 46.8 percent of the time in the major leagues. Now he has a very small sample size. But Trey so he Cabbage, fits right in. So he fits he, right into the new baseball project. Like, exactly. There you go. Uh, yeah, like what? Hit it far or don't hit it all. <laughs> if you're hitting 30 home runs, who cares how many times you strike out? That's the new baseball hitting theory, isn't it? Yeah, that's really – what's Stupid. his launch angle? Yeah, what's his launch angle? Oh, hey, real quick, um, here in a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story that Josh Rojas told me about you. Um, he was my first interview. It's actually a good story. But, um, but you know – you know, going back to that 2017 now, how does it feel to be a part of like a team that really started this run? And how much of it is a testament of this team to continue this culture? Because we've lost, you know, you, Keiko's gone. Pretty much everybody's gone except Altuve and McCullers, right? Correa Bregman. left, Springer left, Bregman is here. Yeah, Bregman. I'm sorry, Bregman, Altuve, um, McCullers. Please don't let me forget the guys. Um, but we've lost some key people. We've lost big yep. names, and they've still continued. Tell me about the culture in the Astros clubhouse that you remember back then and and how you think that continues today. I want to say it's an impossible clubhouse because it almost is. It's It's a very rare case of how great that clubhouse was because everybody was genuinely happy for the next guy to succeed and help us win. It was a, you know, the old saying is you love to win, but you hate to lose. And that, that team hated to lose. We, we sulked so bad after every loss because we looked around and knew how good we were. And it was like, we shouldn't have lost that game. And we, we, we made it hurt. We made it hurt. But when, when you get in that dugout and you saw everybody smiling and, and, you know, when you get on certain team, when you get on a lot of teams, there's a lot of clicks and there's a lot of guys that, you know, may or may not support you in their own mind, they'll support you outward. They're hoping you don't do so well, 
And and in, when when you were when you were with the Astros, there was none of that. There was no none of this negativity crap, and everybody was cheering on everybody. Everybody was happy for everybody. Everybody was trying to help one another. We had pitchers trying to help hitters, and vice versa. So it was all about trying to do everything we could for each other to get that win. Yeah, and and, and that's what I that's what I try to tell people. Um, you know, Josh, I've had the opportunity of interviewing twenty plus um, guys in this system, whether they're um, on the cusp of making the team. Um, last year was great. I interviewed Greg Kessinger, and three days later, he got called up. Interviewed Corey Jolks. A, like a week later, he gets called. He gets put on the 26 man. And they all kind of say the same thing about how this team helps them, how they give you the analytics, but they try not to like overwhelm you with it. They're like, let's pick and choose what we have. And I was interviewing Josh Rojas. Josh Rojas was at um, AAA. Um, Round Rock at the time when when we still had the club there mm-hmm. and I, I asked him what had changed when he was in double a because it seemed like he really had a dip in his numbers and then his numbers took off and he said well Josh Reddick was down in Corpus on a rehab assignment and he and I were talking about hitting and I kept trying to pull the ball and Josh is like don't pull the ball just hit the ball just hit the ball if it, if it goes opposite field or whatever he goes, do that. And what you're going to find is you're going to make more contact. You're going to get on base because right now you're trying to pull the ball out of this ballpark and you can't pull it out of this ballpark because there's too much wind, the coast, the breeze, and all that stuff. And he said, and once I listened to that, and Josh told me, don't try to do more than what you do. Like, like you hit the way you hit. Don't try to do more than that. Mm-hmm. He goes, and that, from that point on, it changed. And, I mean, I think his average had jumped 40 to 60 points i don't know if you've ever heard that but he gave you yeah he gave you a lot of credit yeah he gave you a lot of credit for helping him and he goes and he was on the cusp of i didn't know (laughs) he was about to be traded for zach grinke um but you know he's now in the majors i believe he's with the mariners now we were teammates with the diamondbacks oh okay oh that's right that's right because you went in 21 yeah Yeah. you know you know what you'll have to story yeah he told me that story in the interview. I was I was in left field at Round Rock Stadium at the Dell Diamond, and I remember him telling me that. And he said it was all because of like Josh Reddick telling me, "Don't get outside yourself. Don't try to pull the ball. Just hit the ball. Just just hit it. Like make contact, and you'll be surprised where the ball goes." Can't control <laughs> what you do after that. Might as well just try to hit the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Swing but, hard. Swing hard. Yes. In case you hit it. No, exactly. And I just, I thought you would appreciate that story. Um, I love hearing stories about that. And, and, and he, and I, I think he even talked about you, even when you were down there, you bought some huge spread or something, a bunch of food for the guys in the clubhouse. And I think that's kind of tradition for like when like a it major is. league visits a, visits a minor league club, you kind of like take them, take them under your ring a little bit and, you know, buy them. Get them I, some always, always, I always kind of went above and beyond with the dinner. I probably would, you know, most people would get them like, you know, Outback. I'd, I'd look for like crab boil places like a Joe's Crab Shack or something like that where I could buy the boys a big spread and I'd buy them steak and lobsters and, nice. you know, ice cream for after all that stuff to really take care of them. Because, you know, I've we've been there. We've we've been to that in their position where, you know, we, we weren't getting paid much. And, you know, sometimes the food gets crappy and tired and old and boring in, in the minors. And we understand that. No, it does. And, you know, you know, and Josh, I'm I'm excited this year. This uh this uh team going into into 2024. Like I said, they 
they have got they have got some just monsters in that lineup and this lineup top to bottom is formidable i want i want to get your before we get to your wrestling fandom stuff and your pitching no yeah spider-man lambo um the pitching is phenomenal i think javier's gonna come back in the best shape i think i think you know framber's gonna, gonna pitch way better way better than his second half this last year Haney, i think is gonna have a bounce back but when you watch someone like jordan alvarez hit the ball Oof. like tell me as another baseball player watching him hit what goes through your mind because to me it seems like what he does is just out of this world special i'd be glad i'm not an infielder when he's hitting he hits the ball so hard so hard. i've never seen a person hit the ball that hard and to do that at such a young age and how advanced he was when he got caught up i mean when he got caught up in that night but night 18 19 19 19 he yeah. got caught up in 19 and what three months had already had peaked like 70 rbis as a 21 year old, like, what are we talking about? Like, you, you don't, you don't hear about those things. That's, that's phenom stuff you hear about and to continue what he's doing. And, you know, you look back at the world series home run, he hit off 99 on the outer third to dead center. Like that stuff doesn't happen on the norm. So I, I hope everybody realizes what kind of greatness they're seeing and get to have And a guy like Jordan Alvarez, because when he keeps this up, he's going to make a lot of money. And if Jim wants to keep him around, he's going to have to get off and keep spending <laughs> Oh, he will. No, you're right. I mean, because he, he did will. he he did sign a pretty team friendly deal on that they extension. Did. Yeah, they got they, they um, got they they got lucky for that one. The next one they might get he might get them though. No offense, Jordan. They got you yeah. on the cheap, brother. <laughs> I'm sure but, he you know, Oh no, but you know, um I got to interview him after his first rehab start um in, in Sugarland. And I was, I honestly thought, and I've, Josh, I've met a lot of professional athletes and you can't see all of my background, but I've, I've met Michael Jordan. I met Barry Sanders. I've met Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams. I, I, I've met many of the greats. Making me jealous. And I can tell you, well, I have to, I have to show you my collection sometime, but I can, I can tell you that a lot of times when I walk in the presence of these great athletes, I often feel like overwhelmed, you know, like, oh my Same. gosh, but when I walk, when Jordan Alvarez walked in the room to do the press conference, it was like calm came into the room. It was weird. This guy's got a presence about him. And it was just, he, he felt like a regular guy to me. Hmm. And I was like, that is not how it feels if you're a pitcher on the mound. No, definitely Because not. if you notice, he never gets out of the box. The whole, the whole pitch clock has not affected him one bit. Nope. And last year in the playoffs, they asked him, because it was when the Astros were struggling at home. You know, we know that this whole weird, like they struggled really bad at home in 23. Mm -hmm. They said, how do you stake so consistent? And he said, every at bat, every pitch is a personal battle between me and the pitcher. And I don't change my approach. I don't care who's on the mound. I go up there and I have a plan and I execute it. And I'm like, that's cold blooded right there. That is, that's, that's that's <laughs> that is some training day Denzel Washington stuff right there. And he's 100% right. If you're going to have a plan, you stick to it, no matter what it is, and you go up there and you stick to it, you're going to have a better shot at that you are guessing. He's absolutely right. Exactly. At such a young age, he's too damn smart for his age. 
he is. He is. Josh, here's the deal. I got a question about this wrestling thing, okay? I know you're an avid wrestling fan. You're a big Ric Flair guy with the famous woos. I mean, people still woo in Minute Maid Park, even when you're not there, by the way. That has lasted. That has reverberated and has become kind of somewhat of a folklore. But for you, do you ever see yourself trying to do anything with WWE. I know we've seen Pat McAfee. I know we've seen these other guys. Of course, I know Pat McAfee is like a former NFL player. He was a kicker, but he's still an NFL player, right? Right. I know it's probably a little different for baseball players, but have you ever thought about trying to dabble in that, maybe a guest appearance or when they come to Houston? I mean, have you dreamed of doing something like that? Not really. Not as much, okay. as, you might, as, much as you might think. No, um, not really a dream because God, what those guys go through is just some body abuse on a weekly basis. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And that's what <laughs> what what they do. Maybe you know, and stuff. When you when you're sitting close enough to see everything and what they hit and what they do hurt, that body goes through some damage. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. I got to go in the ring after um, I think it was Survivor Series here in Houston in 2017. Okay. Drag won the World Series, so one of the big four pay per views that come during the se- during the year. Right. I'm sitting front row, you know, because I'm I, I know Triple H, and I always reach out to him, and they treated me greatly. Let me drive down to the parking lot and come nice. backstage and everything, and do all that stuff. And when all they all they do is put me on the jumbotron, and I I like I'm a super fan, right? Like I'm going right. I'm the wild I'm the wild guy on the jumbotron, like hey, I'm on the jumbotron and. <laughs> I had my ring on and I put my ring on the jumbotron and I got the best pop of the night. So that was, nice. that was cool. But yeah, just getting to do what I was able, what I was able to do and what I've been able to do with wrestling, you know, just coming from all the way from shoot. I met triple H for the first time in 2011 when I was in Boston and over the years, just me and a buddy would go every year to Atlanta. They timed perfectly in the off season, like November, they'd be in Atlanta for Monday night raw. Or they'd be in Nashville for a pay-per-view and then Atlanta for a Monday Night Raw. So we'd make a whole trip out of it every offseason. And every time we would go, we would get to go backstage. Well, like for the first five times, we had backstage passes from the buddy that I knew, who was a camera guy, still is. He's the guy that comes down the ramp. Met him oh, years nice. ago in the minors. And um, after about the sixth time and Triple H knew I was coming, they said, you don't even need a backstage pass. Everybody knows who you are. Oh, wow. we would because we would literally just go into like the food room area and eat the spread and just chill in the corner and not try to be super fans and awkward and just you know be amongst ourselves and we did that for a while but they started introducing themselves to us and people got wind of you know who i was and i was sitting in there so i got to meet a lot of wrestlers just by sitting there and doing nothing i said dude let's just go walk around he's like dude we can't do that man we'll get in trouble i'm like we don't bring our phones out, which is rule number one backstage in wrestling. You don't bring your right. phone out. Right. Unless you're in like the food room or something. You can't do it. You can't take pictures. They'll snatch it, throw it out, and smash it. And no no spoilers <laughs> they don't care. backstage. No <laughs> no no spoilers backstage. It's like, dude, just go walk around. We'll just, you know, we belong here. Like, it's okay. And I finally got him to go up and we just started walking around and checking out everything and wow. you know, just wrestlers doing their thing and you know, getting dressed in the hallway and Obviously not naked, but you know, right, right. Getting their whole get up on and, and all it was it was pretty cool. Met a lot of great people that way. And you know, like you said about that feeling of oh being overwhelmed, that was me every time I met one that I liked. Like meeting Triple H was my favorite growing up. Um I got to meet like AJ Styles, who's a Georgia guy. He's a Georgia guy. 
Um, met Bobby Roode, who I was a big fan of, Canadian guy. Um, but yeah, just met all kinds of guys who were like actually fans of me. And it was funny because I remember meeting, um, I think it was Big Cast. I don't know if you remember Enzo and Big Cast. Mm-hmm. Well, Big Cast was like a big Josh Reddick fan. Wow. Before I, before I was even there, like somehow like, dude. I can't even like be happy because I hate your character on TV. Like I can't get the two differences out of the way. I was like, I can't just get past it. Like, You're me. I don't like you. That's <laughs> but funny. But it's nice to meet you. Like that kind of funny deal. That's awesome. Well, you know, um, when I first started podcasting, okay, like I wasn't even with Locked On. I was just doing the Ace Town Wheelhouse show. I had some random guy reach out to me from, on Facebook through some podcast group I had joined and I forgot about. And he was he was an agent in Hollywood. And so he wanted to represent me. Well, I was literally into this thing like three months. And this guy was like wanting me to pay him like a, like 150 bucks a month. And he was going to bring me guests. Well, it kind of seemed like a scam because I'm like, how does he know who I am? So I didn't really buy into it. But then he gave me some leads on some people to interview. And I actually got to interview Tito Santana. Uh, Tito what Santana. A, what, a, what a grab. Dude, he is he is an eighth grade. Um, I believe it's a biology teacher up in New Jersey. Really? He's like, yes. And he told and it would get this when I interviewed him. It was the day that Rock's dad had passed away. Oh, Rock's geez. dad was like his best friend. OK, wow. And we talked about the Rock's father. We talked about the Rock as a child. And then he talked about he praised Hulk Hogan for like 10 or 15 minutes. I'll have to um, I'll send you a link through email. It's on it's on the anchor app. Um, but he basically talks about how wrestling was back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Painful, that one. Bloody. It was, you know, he said if, if, if there's 360 days, we we're wrestling 340 days. out. Like he said, you know, what they do today is a lot different than what we did back in the day. Oh, but I'm he sure. said. He said Hulk Hogan basically took as many people with him as he went to the top. He was like, that is one of the best dudes. He helped so many people. And um, because he was the first what was known as the first ever Mexican born like WWE champion. And I asked him what he thought about that. And he said, well, back then I didn't really think about it. It wasn't really a thing to me. But as I got older, I realized there's not a lot of guys from Mexico that are wrestlers. And I realized how important it was for me for young wrestlers that were Mexican or, you know, Hispanic descent to Somebody see me. Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. Um, but, you know, me and I just want to tell you this. See, I grew up watching wrestling at the same Houston Coliseum in Houston that isn't even around anymore. Gone. Gone. And I saw Hulk Hogan fight Andre the Giant in person in Houston. Wow. It was to this day my favorite wrestling moment. I that remember taking, the bo- that wasn't the body slam match, was it? I see. I don't. Re- I don't know if. I, I don't know if that was the body slam match. I just remember they fought against each other. Um, not, I remember they wrestled. Then. Yeah, I don't think because I think that was a much. Bi- I think that that might have been like a WrestleMania type event. Yeah, that might that's have been true. Wrestle- that, was, that was WrestleMania three. You're right. Never mind. Right, but. I got to see them wrestle against each other. Still that awesome. was the thing. I mean, you know, it was ultimate warrior, all those guys. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like the OGs. And, um, 
and so man dude i could i could talk for hours on just just on wrestling but <laughs> this is i i do have to share this with you a good friend of mine's uh, nephew saw Dwayne johnson saw the rock at at um walt disney world and he was like nine at the time and he he was like tugging on his dad's shirt and he goes what he goes dad that's the rock over there and he's like we'll go say hi to him and he's like okay so his kid ran <laughs> up to him so this little little nine nine year old scrawny kid walks up to him and he like taps him on the on his hip and he goes hey and the rock turns around hey what's up kid he goes hey what's your name and he starts saying his name and the kid goes it doesn't matter what your name is <laughs> and and let me tell you they said the rock literally fell on the ground laughing and he told his family he told my friend's family he goes you would be surprised how many grown men will not approach me because they're afraid of me because they see me as the character but this little dude had the balls that's to come up to me and say doesn't doesn't know any <laughs> that's fantastic See, I and that's what I love. Too. That, that's exactly how you should interact with somebody like that yeah exactly no and 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 that's what i think is fun about wrestling is there's so many good dudes in wrestling there, there's so many cool stories you know there's also you know you got a lot of other stuff in involved but i want to talk about your spider-man lambo because in my hometown of crosby texas it it went viral there was one day you were you were josh reddick is a regular person folks he goes to Can the post office it? like you and me i know josh oh. reddick this dude who drives a Spider-Man Lambo and takes pictures with people in Crosby, Texas. Let me tell you, man, that was the talk of the town when that first happened. This Spider-Man Lambo, you're a Spider-Man fanatic. Yep. You've probably always, is this just like when you were a kid, you're like, I'm going to have a Spider-Man Lambo one day and you just like manifest and you just made it happen because I mean, you made quite a bit of money with Houston, but like, or is that something that once you got the money, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go all out. Tell us about the story of how you got to getting the Spider-Man Lambo. So I think it goes back to being a kid, because when you're a kid, you wanted the little red Lamborghini car to play with, the red Lamborghini Hot right. Wheel, because it was just a red Lamborghini, and red, red's my color. So um, I actually made a deal with myself that if I won a World Series, I would buy myself an exotic car. Nice. And ended up getting a red Lamborghini. And then a couple years later, my wife surprised me for Christmas with the Spider-Man rap job that's on it now. Wow. So yeah, that's so W wife right gift. there. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty great gift from the wife there. And uh, it's cool because when I do get to drive it at night, it, it has the reflective um, look to it. So it kind of gets brighter at night when people's headlights hit it. So that makes it really cool. But yeah. You got to drive it to the post office sometimes, man. So I don't get to drive it a whole lot of time. So when I get the chance to drive it, I take it out, whether I'm going to go to the post office or, you know, go pick up a medication at the pharmacy. There you go. Or or go pick up your favorite Locked on Astros host, H-Town Wheelhouse, and drive around town. Yeah. Well, when you come back to visit Crosby, we'll have to t hit the 90. Hey, oh, dude, the 90. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's hit the 90. I've, I've driven the 90 many nights after games in 2020 when there was nobody on the road. Let's just say that. There you go. Hey, I've driven the 90. Um, I, took, I took my little Nissan truck in high school up to 104 on the 90. It's a. I'm not. No, I'm surprised I'm not, my I'm, Nissan truck didn't fall apart. <laughs> We've all had that vehicle. We've all had that vehicle. <laughs> but now let's just say the '90s a fun a fun road to drive. 
when you, when you have a, a good vehicle that can handle it because the little turns off the interstate and back on. Right. A lot of fun. No, yeah, and there's there's actually been a few movies filmed on 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 Highway 90. The the which I, I thought it was one of the worst movies of all time. It's called The Chase with Charlie Sheen. Um, they filmed part of that on Highway 90. They filmed part of that on 290. What's funny in that movie is you see a Cypress Fairbanks street sign on a California road. <laughs> yeah, they were California, yeah. Well, and so, but yeah, it was all, Cypress I Fairbanks. All, I think we all know why the 90 was being we, was being filmed for, so. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But, you know, I mean, Josh, you know, let me just say this. It, this. This has been an honor to have you on. I've I've wanted to talk to you for quite some time. I admired the fire that you played with. I, you're, you're the type of player that if I ever had made it to the major leagues, I feel like my style would emulate your style. If you, have, if you ever see me coaching a seventh-grade girls' basketball game, you would understand. I coach <laughs> seventh-grade girls' basketball when I do, like we're trying to go to the WNBA Finals. I, I mean, I do everything yeah. with, with passion and fire, and I see you do that not just in your playing career, Josh, and we thank you for that, but we see it with your family. And what a great example you are you and your wife and your, and your, and your wonderful boys and just ha- making a life for them that, that probably you didn't have growing up. And, and, Definitely and, did not. and I love seeing that. So you, I mean, keep, keep being a great dad, keep being a great husband. Um, we love you here in Houston and thank you. I really, I really appreciate you coming on and I really hope that we could, we could have you back at some point, maybe during the season, and talk some Astros baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk. I, I, I got to admit, I don't watch much baseball anymore. But I can talk. Good I deal. Love, I would love to be back on. Well, you know, and, and you know, here's the deal. What we can do is we can say, hey, um, after such and such series, if you want to come on and talk, that way maybe you can kind of brush up on what happened in the series. and Perfect. You know, Do my homework. There you go. There you go. Give you like give you an assignment because I'm a teacher by day. I am. I actually teach Texas history um, by day, and then I do this by night. But uh, Josh, this has been great. Um, thank you for the shout out to my mom. I really appreciate that. Um, and just continued enjoying retirement. I mean, I would love to be in your seat, but I'm still working like the rest of us. <laughs> no, well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Sorry it took so long, but had a great time. No, man, definitely. You know, look, man, life is fast and furious. And when you are spending time with family, there is no need to um, apologize for that at all. But, you know, for, you know, for myself, for H, you know, myself, H Town Wheelhouse, for Lock on Astros, um, he's Josh Reddick. He is the world champion, Josh Reddick. The Savannah Banana, Spider Man Lambo driving. Awesome dad, awesome husband, Josh Reddick. Thank you for tuning in. We are your team every day. I mean, nobody else does it like we do. I'm starting my fifth season. We're going to watch the Astros go back to another World Series. I'm H-Town Wheelhouse. Y'all have a good one. And we are out.